24 says, On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And, it, and of course, it's the Jordan River. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of, the, of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of, the Jor of Jordan uh, returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho and those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Now they had taken twelve stones, so each tribe took a stone and they were going to put a monument there to a, an altar, so to speak. But it was really a monument of a memorial, as we would think of today. And so, uh, and we'll continue to read. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? You see, the memorial was put there so that others that came after would say, Why is this here? Why are these 12 stones stacked here why are these 12 stones here for us and so the children would ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean these stones then ye shall let your children know saying Israel came over this Jordan on dry land for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you un until uh, you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up from before us until we were gone over then all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. In this passage is, a, is an incredible description of what Memorial Day ought to be. And what it, it, speaking to us today, President, you know, all Scripture is given by God, and it's, it, it's given by inspiration, and it's profitable. And, and, and this scripture is very profitable. Memorial Day probably had its origin and foundation at the end of the Civil War, but it did not become an actual national holiday until 1971, where it was just, you know, we're going to take that day. Monday would be that day, the, I believe the last, the way to describe the last Monday in May. The purpose, the original purpose, it was called uh, Decoration Day, and it was to decorate the graves of those who died in the Civil War. But it evolved into a day to remember those who died in all American wars and, and conflicts that died in, in uh, fighting for our freedom. Now, sadly, of course, today it's pretty much evolved into a day to barbecue. We have some, some in this room this morning, we just recognized them a few minutes ago, that, that Memorial Day is a greater reality for they, in fact, lost a loved one in a war. In, in some conflict, they lost a loved one. And, I, and he stood a minute ago, my dad sits here at 86, and for 70 years he's lived without a brother, a brother that he would have had killed in World War II at 19 years of age. I'll list off just a few of these, and, we've, and there's a whole incredible list of wars and conflicts that have gone on in America, but the Revolutionary War, 25,000 plus died. The Civil War, 625,000 plus died. World War I, 
which was just 1917-1918, our part of it was 116,516. World War II was 405,399. The Korean War, 36,516. The Vietnam War, 58,209. And these are but a few of the multitude of the wars and conflicts where Americans died. We challenge each other today, and that's kind of why we, what we're doing. What we're doing, challenging each other to remember. But here's the, the, the thing that I'm going to try to get across this morning. If we have not lost a loved one, then so often these become just numbers that we're remembering. A bunch of people we did not know died. And we set aside a day taking a moment to remember something Think about this, that we really cannot remember because we never knew about it in the first place. Today, most of our students do not learn about American history or our heroes. I said this in my Sunday school class, and it was, it was, it was heart-rendering this morning, but just this morning I was reading, and, and after our president's speech in Japan, that they took a poll and, and a, a greater, for the first time in the history uh, since World War II, uh, a greater number or the majority of our American people who, who were polled said that they believed that our bombing of Japan was, was evil and wrong. Now, why is that the case? They said the great percentage of that, what carried it over, the great percentage of that was, was our 18 to 32-year-old people who voted, at which we would call our millennials, and and it's not a condemnation of millennials. It's a condemnation of the fact that we've taught them no history. They don't even know why we had to bomb Japan. Why we were racing to... And look, nobody is glad that a lot of people died. Nobody's glad that, but many, many others would have died if we had not done it. Many Americans would have died if we had not done it. And it's just, there's just no history taught to our young people anymore, it's been it eradicated from, our, from, our, from the books of our, our history books in our schools. There's no Pearl Harbor mentioned. There's no uh, nearly uh, with all the, those that were killed in the wars, a million of our boys who died uh, or the atrocities committed against our soldiers held cap- captive which means they never, listen, they never really know or understand why they fought and died. Our, our young people today don't know why they fought and died. We, this reason we did the little play today, most will walk by these men that, that just look old and gray and, and look weird to them and, and act weird to them and wear some old cap. And, and you know, the truth is we need to teach our children what those men gave. What those women gave. They don't understand why they fought and died, so they cannot remember what they never knew. We must learn about these heroes, and we must understand what they were fighting for. We remember those who are not normally remembered. There's just a story that I read again just a day or two ago, and this is the way it was printed And it says, you're a 19-year-old kid. You're critically wounded and dying in the jungle somewhere in the central highlands of Vietnam. It's November the 11th, 1967. Your unit is outnumbered, eight to one, and the enemy fire is so intense from 100 yards away that the 
CO, the commanding officer, has ordered the medvac helicopters to stop coming in. You're lying there, listening to the enemy machine guns, and you know you're not getting out. Your family is halfway across, around the world, 12,000 miles away, and you'll never see them again. As the world starts to fade in and out, you know this is the day. Then over the machine gun noise, you faintly hear the sound of a helicopter. You look up to see a Huey coming in, but it doesn't seem real because no med evac markings are on it. Captain Ed Freeman is coming in for you. He's not med evac, so it's not his job. But he heard the radio call and decided he's flying his Huey down into the machine gun fire anyway. Even after the medevacs were ordered not to come, he still came. He's coming anyway, and he drops in and sits there in the machine gun fire as they load three of you at, at a time on board. Then he flies you up and out through the gunfire to the doctors and nurses and safeties. He kept coming back 13 more times until all the wounded were out. No one knew until the mission was over that the captain had been hit four times in the legs and arm. He took 29 of your buddies, you and your buddies, out that day. Some would not have made it without the captain and his Shuey, Medal of Honor recipient, Captain Ed Freeman, United States Air Force. And he died last week at the age of 70. And the sad thing is, there's nothing about it on the news. There's nothing to tell our young people this story you say, why are you reading the story now? Because I want our young people to hear it. This is what Memorial Day is about. It's about men like this who flew into enemy fire when it wasn't his job. But the truth is his courage and his love for America and love for a fellow human being drove him to go in and risk his life for another. Why? So we would have freedom. Now let's go back to our text. Notice what happens and why. Scripture says, In those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. So they take these twelve stones out of the river Jordan and they took them to Gilgal and they, they stacked them there. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean these stones? And I beg you, adults, please, 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 we need to have memories up. We need to have something up. We need to have history up for our children. Something ought to drive them to say, what's the meaning of this? What does this mean? And I know that our, our world is not teaching our children, but that doesn't mean we can't teach our children. Grandparents, that doesn't mean you can't teach your grandchildren. 
But he says, when they ask, what mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. You see, the reason we have to put, we, have to, we need Memorial Day. The reason that we have to have a, a, a picture of my Uncle Buddy up on, a, on, on, on my dad's wall, the reason we have, the, we, I want my children to say, Daddy, who is that? What happened to him? How did he die? I want them to ask me about it. Because it gives me an opportunity to teach them what happened in the past. Forgive me, I get to teach them that we're not some wicked and evil people because we bombed someone. Listen, nobody decent, no Christian wants to to see anyone else die. We don't want them especially to see them to die without Christ. But listen, if they're going to destroy you, they're trying to kill you, you got to fight and do what you got to do. And he goes through the history. He says, then say, you let your children know, saying Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you, you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. You know what he does? He gives them a little history lesson to give to their children a history lesson. The children would never have seen, they didn't see the Jordan. The children maybe would not have passed over Jordan. They, they maybe the children didn't pass over the Red Sea. But watch, if we'll teach them about what happened, they can know. Clearly, there must be an intentional altar days that we set up to remind us to remember like Memorial Day. We must learn the truth of the reason the history of the sacrifice. We must understand that we are are to remember not simply for sympathy or empathy or emotion, but rather remembering, listen to this now, remembering is to cause us to be what those before us were. We remember not just, oh, that's sad. No, that's not the purpose, young people. The purpose is so we can remember what we ought to be. Remembering the sacrifice of the past is to cause us to live differently today. You see the scripture at the very end, it says that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. And watch, why is it so important that we know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty? That ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Listen, We would have greater fear of God in this nation if we just knew the history of our nation, the miracles of our nation, and how God has preserved this nation and why he preserved this nation. Sadly, seldom does the memory of the sacrifice of the past affect our lives today. These of the past died not just for freedom, but so that we could live lives, listen please, so that we could live lives worth their sacrifice. 
as I was writing this and working on this, I began to think if God would allow those who died to come back and speak or come back and see America, honestly, would they feel that they wasted their lives? Because they died so that we could live decent. So we could live different. But finally, all of this pictures the great battle, the great war. Say the great war that's coming? No, the great war that's already been fought. The ultimate sacrifice took place in a battle for all the souls of mankind for all of history. And Jesus was the casualty of that war. And using the same principles about what we need for America, and listen, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a patriotic American. I know that there's all kinds of flaws in America. I know there's all kinds of, it's still, I believe, it's still the, the greatest country in this, in this world. But I... If America is not going to be Christian, I don't know the need for America to continue. If America is not going to be godly, I don't see the need for it to continue. We don't need to continue. And I've said this before, but if we're simply electing a president so that we can be more prosperous, that's pointless. No, we need to be godly. But if we take the same principles that I just outlined from this passage, if we think about Jesus Christ, the war that was fought for our souls and the death that he suffered in that battle. Number one, clearly there must be intentional altars or stones that we, days that we set up to remind us to remember. You know, that really, that's what Sunday is. Now, we ought to remember every day, but Sunday is just kind of where God wants us to stop and say, right here at the beginning. See, Sunday, we, we, we changed everything. You know, Sunday is the first day of the week. This should be beginning of our energy, the beginning of our strength, the beginning of our start of the week. But Sunday has in so many ways become the end. And we're weary in the end of the week because we've got to save up our strength for Monday, the beginning of what's important, which is work, which is our things, our provisions. But God wants us to give him the first fruits. Even in our time and our effort, and he wants us to give him Sunday. And Sunday is that day that should remind us to remember what Christ did for us. We have Resurrection Day or Easter. We have crosses. We have pictures. We have Sunday, a day for us to stop and remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So clearly there must be some intentional time and ways in which we'll, we remind ourselves. That's why God wants us to write his scriptures on the doorposts of our house. And that's why scripture ought to be up in your house. Scripture really ought to be in your car. Scripture ought to be everywhere where you can see it. So it reminds you of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
Number two, we must learn the truth of the reason, the history of the sacrifice. Why did Jesus die? I grew up for until 20 years of age, and yeah, I knew that there was something about it. Yeah, he, some, Jesus hung on some cross, and yeah, Easter, you go out and hunt Easter eggs, and, and yeah, this is what you do. But, but I did not really know why Christ died. We need to teach our children the history. You see, Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 says, And be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We need to let our children know Jesus Christ, the sinless, perfect Son of God, God incarnate, God in the flesh, came and died for our sins. And we need to learn that Romans 5, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We've got to see the history of this. We've got to see what he went through. Our children need to know that he walked this earth. He, we need, they need to know that he, he, he didn't have a place to lay his head. They need to know that he didn't have all the latest technology and he didn't he'd go by the newest iPhone when Susan came out and he didn't have all that. That wasn't why he came. He came to suffer. Suffer and die for us. He died for our eternal freedom. And number three, we must understand that we are to remember not simply for sympathy or empathy or emotion, but rather remembering is to cause us to be what Christ died for us to become. You see, we need to teach our children that there's salvation. There's no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved other than the name of Jesus. We need to teach them that they need to be saved and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and take the gift of eternal life, which is Jesus Christ himself. And we need to teach our children that. We need to teach the people of this community and of Memphis, Tennessee that. But the truth is we also need to teach ourselves and remind ourselves that this memory is here so that Christ died so that we could live as he lived. Remembering the sacrifice of the past is to cause us to live differently today. If we truly remember and realize what those men and women did and and in Vietnam and, and World War I and World War II and Korean War and all these wars where they left their home and they went into incredible situations. And, and honestly, it, it's not a video game and you can't take uh, shots and go back and replenish and go start over again. And, and how at 18 and 19 years of age, it's amazing to me. So much has been said, you know, about uh, they want to have the, you know, the 18, 19 year olds now, they got to have their safe place uh, so nobody says anything bad to them and so nobody can say anything wrong to them so everything can be safe for them what there was no safe place in Vietnam for the 18 year old 
But if if those kids were taught what it really took to have this nation, they wouldn't be looking for a safe place. They'd be looking to stand for God and stand for right and stand for our nation. But if our people also knew what Christ did, truly how he was beaten beyond recognition and suffered and bled and died for us. I used to, you know, if I have a regret, I, 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 I do regret that I, that I was not actually in the military. And I went, worked with the military for 20 years and worked with so many men and women with the military and saw, saw multitudes, thousands of them trust Christ. And, and I'm thrilled that I had the opportunity to be around them and, and work with them. But I, 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 I wish you know, that I could be part of that fraternity, so to speak, uh, uh, of, of men and women that were part of the, uh, uh, of the military, but I was, but I, I was not. But I, but I, I look at the, those those men so many times. I, as they would they would come in and they 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 would be getting ready to ship out, and and I would tell them so often, uh, you know, you will never, once you trust Christ, wherever you go, wherever you do, this is the one peace that you can have. Whatever you, the sacrifice you're asked to make, you, you've done it uh, for, for our country. You've done it for, for Christ. You've done it for God. And, and you have that security knowing that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And, and it's, it's so important that we, we prepare our young people, prepare our people to know what's coming. Do we truly know the meaning of the sacrifice that Christ made? I used to tell them as they would get saved, I would, uh, one, one night I, I preached to about, a, I think it was 104 sailors there, and, and we had played football that night and played for about four hours. And at the end of it, after I'd play ball with them, and, and, and a lot of people would ask, why would you spend so much time playing ball? But, but it was, that was the way I built camaraderie with them and the way I built a, a you know, relationship with them. And, 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 I, and I, I, I preached to them, and 58 of those young men walked forward to receive Christ. And I stood those 58 young men up, and, and I explained to them the next step of, after salvation. I said, uh, look, you've got about 12, 14 hours to make a decision the next thing that Christ asks you to do after you're saved, after you know you're going to heaven, is to be baptized. And many of them, they've never heard about this, and I would say to them, I would explain, and I would go through how it's the wedding ring. It, it doesn't, that wedding ring doesn't make me married. It just reveals that I'm married. And I would explain all those things to them, but here's the statement I would make to them. I would simply say to them, it's your decision Because God does not force you to obey him. It's your decision. But here's what I want you to think about. Jesus Christ was beaten beyond recognition. His body was ripped apart. And then he was nailed to a cross and raised. And he slammed down into the ground. And every joint was ripped out of joint. He did that for you because he loved you. And watch this. He asked you for your first demonstration of love to get in some water for him. I said, if you really think about it, there's very little comparison. 
But I would tell them, you've got about 12, 14 hours to make that decision. Did you know that 90%, 89.6% of those boys who trusted, and every once in a while it was some of the ladies, but, but it was by and large our ministry was to men, but, but 89.6% of those who trusted Christ walked forward by themselves and asked to be baptized. You know why? I took up just a little brief moment and taught them a little history about what really happened. From that little history lesson, they said, how can this even compare? What he did for me. And now he asked me to show that I love him. Not to get saved, I'm already on my way to heaven. To show that I love him for saving me. 89.6%. When I tell that to, to fellow preachers around the world, they look at me like, that's impossible. What did you do to get them to be baptized? And I said, I told them the truth and left it in their hands. Do we know the meaning of the sacrifice? Historically, for our nation, do we know the meaning of the sacrifice Jesus made for us? Are we living in such a way to make that sacrifice worthwhile? As a Christian, are we living in such a way that that sacrifice is worthwhile? Jesus said in John 10, 10, and 11, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Have you this morning understood how and why Jesus died? And if we understand it, are we living in such a way that his death was worthwhile? That's the question for our nation, for us as Christians. Father, I pray that you bless Lord Jesus.